M. Rossiano. So, Chris, we all know you're circumcised. Tell us more. And Michael Lucas. I mean, I feel like I am becoming you. It's like you possess me. <laughs> this is M. Salation. I'm really close to shaving my hair off. <gasps> Sinead O'Connor style. Probably more Britney, 2007. <laughs> you're in M. Salation. Hello there, welcome to Emsolation. My name is M. Rossiano and I am a writer, a stand-up comedian, a singer, a maximalist power queen and together with my best friend since I was 11, beloved Australian screenwriter Mr. Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every Thursday, 6am on the knocker. If you are listening now at 6.01, I salute you. I love the Emsolators who come in straight away. I love that we're a weekly event. I know so many of you look forward to Thursdays and I like being something or a part of something that you guys look forward to. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you knew that Tuesday nights was Melrose Place night. You know, you had your nights. I'm back with that actually with appointment viewing because I've got Drag Race Canada coming out Fridays. Hold on to your beavers. Canada's Drag Race is back, baby. Drag Race UK coming out Fridays, Succession coming out Mondays. Like, I'm really now having to look forward to days of the week for my favourite shows. Well, fucking beast them. We'll go full fucking beast. So I like that you have Emsolation Thursdays. And if you're listening past a Thursday, that's okay. You've got a life. Not to say the people who listen on Thursdays don't have lives. They have priorities. (laughs) Anyway. Whenever you're listening, I'm glad you're listening. We are all everything. Today's episode is long because I really just wouldn't stop talking. It's very M heavy today. I feel self-conscious about that. I will make sure next week is Michael heavy. It's Michael's 43rd birthday on Tuesday, the 2nd of November, Cup Day. So I'm taking him out for a an adventure. I just said to him, I'm picking you up from your house at 1 o'clock on Saturday be dressed in your tizziest, finest clothes. He doesn't know what's happening, but I have planned a whole thing. And I'm, we'll, be, we'll be visiting various establishments in Melbourne. Um, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I love an adventure. So you'll be hearing about that next week, no doubt. But um, how are you? I haven't even got there yet. I haven't taken a breath. Uh, the reason... <laughs> The reason today's episode is very M-heavy is because we spent a lot of time talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's new sex show, Sex, Love and Goop, and you know my weird obsession with the whole goop phenomena. So this show has taken over my life, my heart, my brain. It, it's just, you'll hear, there is, a, there is the most forensic deep dive into this show. <laughs> we also talk about Gladys Berejiklian facing the um, ICAC, the Independent Commission Against Corruption, And a lot of time is also spent discussing what she should wear. And I know this is frivolous, but this podcast is deeply shallow. We go deep, we go shallow, we go deep on shallow things. So I don't want you to think that Michael or I are making light of whatever's alleged to have happened, but sometimes you just got to find the weird camp things to fixate on. And we do that. That's kind of, I think you could probably say, Emsolation, a show about weird camp things that they fixate on. So there's a lot of discussion on what we would wear if we were facing the ICAC. <laughs> and finally, we finish on my, um, guys, I really want to go to the f- the Twilight, the Forever Twilight in Forks Festival, FTF. You know what you are? See it. It's happening in Forks next year in September. Um, talk about that. <laughs> How are you? Have I asked that yet? I'm going to keep the intro short because um, the 
the podcast is so long and there's so much of me talking. A lot of me being excited, trying to keep things okay now. I'm good. Um, everyone's kind of out of lockdown now, I think. If you're not, apologies. I'm not very across anything at the moment. I've been staying offline and doing a lot of drawing and reading and enjoying being out of lockdown and there's been sun. So I'm not exactly across who's in and out of lockdown, but um, yeah, things feel a bit lighter out and about, don't they? Just everyone's kind of smiling a bit more. I um, had, of course, Marcella turned 20. My eldest daughter turned 20 on Sunday. I can't believe I have a 20-year-old. And she had a gav. Can't call them parties, guys. Don't call them parties because they're not. They're gatherings. So we had a gav of the illegally sanctioned amount of people at our house and um, that all went pretty well. I mean, we shut the door and I don't know when it ended, but I know that I woke up to a sparkling clean house. (laughs) Yeah. That's when you know you've raised them right, guys. They put on the party. They're up till 3 a.m. But even after they've had all their alcohol, her and her friends cleaned. And I respect that. I'm glad for it. And I give myself a pat on the back. So I got up to a clean house expecting it to be trash. No, I didn't. I knew she'd clean it. I actually knew. I went to bed with a smile on my face. I knew that she'd overclean. I knew that she'd overcompensate because she was maybe feeling guilty about the music or whatever. I don't care. I'll play on that guilt momentarily to wake up to a clean house. So that happened. Um, I Odie's gone back to school. All the kids have gone back a couple of days a week. She's exhausted, but I think relieved to see her friends. So I don't know. Maybe things are turning around. But um, otherwise, you know, good, good. I'll stop now. I'll bring in my best friend and you are going to hear a lot of goop, Yoni, Virgin, Twilight, Gladys Berejiklian talk and would you expect any other cross-section of topics on this show that you've come to listen to? If this is your first time, strap in. I always enjoy if someone's deciding to listen to us first time and they just say to themselves, I'm just going to go with the most recent ep. That, my friend, is brave and I love it. What we refer to in the business is coming in dry and I see you. All right, gang, enjoy this very lively edition of Emsolation. Thank you for being here. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, Michael Lucas, I bring you in excited to once again be discussing Gwyneth Paltrow's commitment to the Yoni. <laughs> Thank God. I don't think, feel like, have we managed to discuss it? Have we gone a whole pandemic without no. discussing no. Gwyneth and the Yoni? <laughs> Look, no one is more committed to your Yoni than Gwyneth Paltrow. I won't hear it. <laughs> I won't even entertain the idea that there is some... She's had the vagina centre candle. She's, of course, had the aforementioned Jade Yoni egg. She had the vaginal steaming scandal where Goop was promoting that That's women right. steam their vagina. remember? That. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's bought us a new TV show, Sex, Love and Goop. If you're watching this, you probably have a pretty good idea what this series is about. We're having sex. It's a show about sex. We're going to talk about sex. Hello. I'm fully committed and obsessed. Basically, I was in 20 seconds in because I don't know if you noticed, but the theme music is almost exactly the same as The White Lotus. (laughs) 
I hadn't noticed that, but it, it makes sense. I, I, I did you watch the whole credit sequence is sort of arty shots oh. of bodies, but it's really cunningly done. So you keep on going, oh, hang on, is that what are we looking at there? Is that what? Yeah. what? I spent the whole time thinking, is that is that something erect? No, ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's how, that's what oh, it looks like. It's a it's a cacophony of like dimly lit headless sexy torso shots and pastel sex toys and very white gender fluid. Rooms. You just yeah. don't know. Is that stubble or is it just <laughs> pause? I don't know. So obviously last pandemic we got the goop lab. Last pandemic, last lockdown, we got the goop lab. Was that when and that, that was, was? When that yeah, was, okay, so yeah, okay. The the goop lab was goop staffers searching for enlightenment. Remember, some took acid, mm-hmm. some sat in a naked vagina circle, and we got to meet Betty Dodson. Betty, oh, remember yeah. the, the kick-ass 80-year-old? She was like an orgasm mechanic. Lift up, squeeze it, then let it go. Squeeze and okay. release. I'm like, doing it. Get up. with the program. Squeeze. <laughs> Yes, she sadly passed away. I since. know. Yeah, I know. that's really sad. I really like Betty Dodson. And um, now Sex Love and Goop just focuses on fixing like sexual mismatches between couples, I think is the best way to describe it. Each couple is a designated a sexologist that is strong in their area of weakness, I think is fair that's to right, say. That's right, And also living in a spectacular Californian oh. mansion, which is the other element of the show. <laughs> but it's like, it's same with the White Lotus and the Nine Perfect Strangers. It's that retreat aspect. You know, like Gwyneth is sitting there, blonde, the skin, she's looking flawless. Like whatever that woman is doing, I don't care what it is, I want to know. And she's, she's, she's looking flawless, but important thing I think to note is she does yeah. look her age. She doesn't look like uh, she yeah. looked when she was, and but she looks fabulous at her age. Like she just yeah. looks like you've just, you. it's peaking right now. Yeah. And you can yeah. move all all of your face. It's brilliant. <laughs> she actually can. And so Gwyneth sits on a couch initially with uh, next to her kind of lead personal relationship coach that works directly with Gwyneth, uh, Michaela Boehm, who I'm obsessed with. Like imagine um, like Fran Drescher's mum from The Nanny and like Bette Midler had an Eastern European baby and you've got <laughs> Michaela. She's just like this amazing. And she is Gwen's personal relationship coach. And she's kind of the high priestess of all the other sexologists. We've been in some tantra positions pretty <laughs> oh, close together. Yes. Oh, I feel so much better. And initially they'll sit there in that beautiful white room with blonde wood and all the couples are there nervously cat crouched and who's so, so the couples are um uh you've got the the couple the elderly couple who are hilarious mm-hmm. they are, did, I don't know if you got to the point where um, you mightn't got there yet but the woman in that relationship they're both in their 60s she said sometimes I just want to watch my shows I don't want to have sex <laughs> and you felt incredibly spiritually connected yeah, to her of course I you did, did I did I did feel very connected with her and then um I've just got I should have written all their names down I was too busy fascinated with um or the Miss Jaya, who will get to Miss Jaya. Full cred, anyway, it- it's a very diverse, we're not talking Love Island here. It is a, no. it is a truly diverse uh, selection of people in, in yep. both ethnicities and age groups as well. And 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 I, I went into this show with a lot of scepticism, a lot. I thought I was just going to basically laugh at it. And but I kind of respect that they're putting they're putting all of these people on the television. You know, we are in danger of being a world that is just swamped by people that look like porn stars talking about <laughs> sex. And that was not the case here and refreshingly so. It's so true. And so 
you see all the couple sitting around nervously talking about what's to come and then they're paired off. And we meet properly in earnest our sexologist, Miss Jaya, who came up with a sexual blueprint quiz, which we'll get into in a minute. Michael and I have both taken it, don't worry. There's Amina Peterson, who's my favourite. She's an intimacy coach. There's Darshana Avila, who's an erotic wholeness coach. (laughs) (laughs) So many job titles I didn't know existed. Same! All overseen by aforementioned Michaela Bowen, the personal relationship coach. And you couldn't cast them better if you tried. Like You could go to Central Casting and say, I'm looking for someone who looks like they own a lot of crystals, um, they wear a lot of beautiful caftans. And also, I don't know if you noticed, all of them are perfectly growing out their grey roots. Right, I so, noticed, I respected. Not Gwyneth, I might add. No, no, no. <laughs> but it just seemed to be a thing. And you know what else they all have in common? Perfect skin. All of them. So if getting the good, proper sex for the tantric, sexual energy, whatever the fuck is going on, all these women, despite having grey hair... Have perfect stunning faces. Grey hair and perfect skin is a magnetic combination. It's the Oscar <laughs> Isaac combination. Because <laughs> I always think, what makes him so uniquely attractive? And I really think it's that it's that Cuban skin with that grey hair. Amazing. But, but also, if- let's not forget, I felt like they had the full Ellen Show lighting team in there. So, do you think though? Because I feel like if clocking sex means I will look like that at their age, I'm willing to become a student. I'm happy. <laughs> well, I get that. That's the motivation. <laughs> I just want good skin on the telly. <laughs> All the other ones. I, I mean, need to be having two orgasms a day. And 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 if you listen to Miss Jaya, I'm going to go on the project. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is the whole thing. I could achieve that if you believe Miss Jaya. Mm. If I can have a clothed energy orgasm, yeah. so just before I go on the project, I'll be like, up, 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 give me one moment. <laughs> and then like. Wrinkles, gone. Yeah, like, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and over to you, Lisa. Yeah, beautiful. Imagine. And we just want to ask you, up, 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 up. I just saw my <laughs> myself on the screen. One moment. <laughs> okay, good. We're good to go. Chin, gone. <laughs> but this is what I want to talk about. So Miss Jaya is the woman that we first kind of meet and she's got the beautifully grown out uh, grey hair with just a touch of brown tendril at the bottom to suggest her natural hair colour, flawless face. And she is um, she uh, is of the opinion that you can have an orgasm just by working within a person's energy space. You don't have to touch them, mm. which, is, which is good, I think. And so um, she came up with the energy, with the sexual energy blueprint. My name is Jaya and I help couples to have hot, juicy sex lives by learning more about their sexuality. And I'm the founder of the Erotic Blueprints and the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough. And all of us belong to a certain category. Yeah. And there are, um, you can be energetic, turned on by the anticipation of sex. You can be sensual. You like all the senses to be stimulated. You can be sexual. You're turned on by like traditional sex, just nudity and in and outs. Kinky. You like to be dominated or submissive in the taboo side of life or a shapeshifter, all of the above. Mm. So all the couples had to take her test. Um, we've taken the test. Uh, do you want to? We haven't We're, revealed to each no, other. No, because I'm in a total cliffhanger. But also that, it hasn't arrived. I haven't got it. I, I don't know what <gasps> the answer arrived. is. No, I've done it. I, I keep checking. Check your so, junk mail. I okay. have. I've just checked that. So I took the test and my primary erotic type is sexual, 
with a peppering of shape shifter, but predominantly sexual, which is boring. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'm going to be boring because I was answering all the questions and I suddenly, re- like, I, I felt like, should I try and just make myself more interesting by colouring this up a bit? <laughs> but basically the most yep. boring option pretty much every time, which was generally a D, it was a D yes. in the multiple choice. I just went boom, 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 boom. No, honestly. that means you're, a, that could mean you're a shapeshifter. But <gasps> D, but D is mine. I picked D for almost everyone. And this quiz, let me point out, we'll put a link on the socials. You can pretty much, it's like when you took the dolly, the dolly, quiz and wanted to find out if you were Brandon or um, Dylan. Like, you could really just rig it. You could you could pick whichever one you wanted from 90210 to be your lover. So this test, really, you can be whatever you want, but answer it honestly. So, oh, here we go. Um, no, wait. I've got my... Oh, wait, wait. It's, sorry, you're correct. Oh, here we go. My primary erotic blueprint type is sexual. Sexual. Are we the same? You tend to have quick access to turn on. We're the same except for one very... No, well, actually, we like... We, like we both like it. same gender. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. very similar. Unfortunately, it wouldn't work if we ever got together, or thankfully, <laughs> depending on your perspective. Probably Who thankfully. knows? Could the world handle it? When so you are a resource, you bring physical pleasure and the sexy to sex. Yeah. Don't you like how they write word sex differently in every little sentence? It's <laughs> always got a different kind of vibe. Why do so we have I- to do all this stuff? Let's just get to it, you may think. Do you relate to this? <laughs> it's so terrible because they were kept on saying, like, you know, what's the, what's the triggers for you to have sex? And I did feel like saying, I've woken up. That's the trigger. <laughs> I know. And also this is a very straight male-dominated space, this archetype, which is concerning for both of us. Not for me, but I but and I'm not a bit surprised. But um yeah, so the superpower of our erotic blueprint is that we're easy to arouse and we love sex. The shadow aspect, which is I love that's how it's described, is that we focus on the end goal and miss the journey. Mm, fair. <laughs> fair. I'm busy working, Mum. I don't have time for the fucking journey. Just give me my orgasm so I can get out and leave. <laughs> Okay, I love that we're the same. So basically we meet, first of all, we meet Erica and Damon and they have a a sexual incompatibility, which Damon is accusing Erica of being sexually repressed, but as it turns out, he's actually the one who's sexually repressed. Yeah, twist. Yeah, also, and I he thought also... there were problems. He did announce early on that he's an illustrator and he draws people and then he saw her and was just like, you look like my wife because I've drawn, drawn illustrations just like you. And I felt like, well, that's I'm not going to say that's a recipe for no. <laughs> that's the most superficial I... way into a relationship ever. I have to say there are several red flags for me around Damon. Yeah. <laughs> I found myself shouting, run, to Erica a few mm-hmm. times just mm-hmm. out loud to myself. He also was very clear on, did you want anything near his bum? Any areas of your body you don't want me to touch? Um, my butt. Butt no, is off limits. No butt. No butt. Yeah. Just in case. No one, no one, no one can think I'm gay. I'm not mm. gay. Mm. I'm not, not gay. He may as well basically have a T-shirt on that said not gay because mm. he just didn't mm. want anyone to think that he was. <laughs> but, and, and, um, but in the end, like, Damon gets on the table. I don't know if you might not have got there at episode two. And Miss Jaya ends up giving him an orgasm without even touching him in which he cries at the end of it. He cries. And he says, I've never experienced anything like that. And it turns out Erica is actually a kinky sexual archetype. He's supposedly repressed wife mm. and he's just been doing it wrong. And uh, I loved it so much. And th- the best part of episode two, which you guys all have to look forward to, is Miss Jaya invites her life and business partner, Ian. This is Ian. Great to meet you both. Now, Ian, if you want to imagine the Monopoly man meets an early 90s sexy magician, like... <laughs> If you, <laughs> I would expect nothing less for Jaya. 
<laughs> and things get wild, right? So Jaya lies down on the table and at this point Erica and Damon are dressed and they've both had their little line of table experiences where one had an orgasm and cried and the other one, like, you know, realised that her clitoris should be a part of the equation when her husband is involved. And they're sitting there and Miss Jay is like, okay, babes, you guys have had your turn. Let me show you how we fucking do this. This is what I love. The mm. expert demonstrated her skill. So she brings in the Monopoly man slash sexy musician and she gets on the table, who's her life and business partner. She lays down and the first thing Miss Jay asks for is to be grounded. All right, I would love for you to start a with a little grounding, yeah, like one hand, either pubic bone or heart. Okay. Now grounding involves... <laughs> Sexy Monopoly man slash magician popping his whole entire cupped hand just clamped down on her vagina. So <laughs> now, now I then learned that this is an anchor port for the imagine <laughs> Ghostbusters when Dana is being invaded by Zool and she is Sigourney Weaver is rising from the bed. This is what's to come. There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. You've been inadvertently doing this. This is why you're into the anxiety-weighted blanket, probably. You've been grounding the whole time. You just didn't know it. You thought it was a sex defence, but actually maybe it was a preparation that you're unaware of, subconscious. It's like when you go to the beach, you've got to bang the pegs into the sand so the tent doesn't fly away. My body and my vision is the tent in a windy day. Just I just want to let you know, Em, no one else goes to as much effort to build structures at the beach as you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So I respected the grounding of the cupped hand on the vagina. So he's holding her down and then he starts moving his hand around and she's wearing a blindfold to prove she's not cheating. And he starts, and everywhere his hand hovers over, she's like, oh, she's like, does this oh, shudder. Oh, oh. So the whole time, see, he's got his hand firmly clamped down, never moves, never wavers. Like Ian is rock steady on the grounding, on the vagin. And then he's moving his hand around like he's casting a spell. <laughs> Fucking hocus pocus. It's a real pity you can't. This is not a visual medium because M's no, really I, working at this. Liam, Liam will make a video, it's fine. So he's working, working around, 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 around. And all of a sudden she starts shuddering. She starts shuddering and she starts having these full body orgasm. But then, because Ian's working so hard with the grounding, he has a, like an adjacent orgasm just from providing one. So the two of them, they're like, like <laughs> having some kind of weird apparition. Like, she's like, oh. <sighs> And then he'll start to get it too. No one's touched anyone. No one's touched anyone. And then Jaya finishes and says, okay, thank you very much. But you does he stop- have a full orgasm with ejaculation or is it just sort of like a, we don't know? No. Well, we don't know. He's in very tight kind of black jeans. We don't see. <laughs> and, and so then they finish and they come up and then they kind of sit together like closely in like this hugging situation and then they do it again. They just have a, she says, okay, and they're sitting with their legs scissored and then she says, okay, I'm sending the energy down to my vagina. So then she like presumably sends all the sexual energy Energy, which then hits his penis and then the two of them are like driving an energy together and they have another one. Wow. Hashtag relationship goals. <sighs> so wild. <laughs> no wonder their skin's good. So Yeah, their skin, both of them, amazing. But they're thinking about that I'm exhausted from telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny whether Em actually did have an orgasm whilst nah. telling that story. But the thing I love is, like, I was sitting there all kind of, like, feeling like, oh, touched and maybe there's some things I need to look at that I'm repressing. And just when you start to feel a bit serious, they just fucking goop you. They're just like the goop aspect comes in oh. and there's a, the, you know what I mean? So it's this perfect balance of chaos, hectic, fucking ridiculousness with a sprinkling of, oh, I'm really, really touched. This 
this is a good thing, which mm. is why I love it. Yeah, you know I know. I, mean? I know. That's it. She keeps you on her toe, on your toes. <laughs> yeah. It's just that, yeah, there are so many aspects. I mean, as someone who comes from a family that's very much devoted to what traditional Western medicine goop, there's a lot of things that I'm sus about it. But on the other hand, she's genuinely, you know, presenting some sort of sex positive diversity, positive age, positive vision of sex, which we kind of need. We kind of need. Yeah, you're spot on. And for me, I genuinely think if you're listening now and your love life needs some spicing up, watch it with your partner. You could do worse. Yeah, there's enough release, there's enough funny ridiculousness for you to not feel self-conscious about watching it. I genuinely think as much as we want to make fun of it and Gwyneth is there like on the peripheral being slightly, not revolted, but slightly pearl clutching but also very invested. She's really tiptoeing the line of, oh, but oh, yes. You know, it's it's this night. And she said something about her father when he was interviewed, how her father and mother stayed married for so long and her father said we just never wanted to get divorced at the same time, which I love that little anecdote. Mm. I relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) Because if the divorce desires ever line up, you're screwed. One has to be fighting for it at some point in time. But I just, oh, I'm really genuinely puffed. I don't know how Brittany does it. I just think. <laughs> she mimes, I think. Is she mimes, yeah. I just really applaud her. I mean, it gets wild. It's a massive, like, just, there's a puppet clitoris that comes out. Oh, it's, really- it's huge. It's, I found it slightly terrifying. <laughs> I really did. It looked yep. it looked like a bright red version of the face hugger from Alien, and that's yep. just how I would accurately describe it. I agree. I agree with that. It's a big plush face hugger from Alien. Again, Sigourney Weaver film. Sigourney's really featuring more than I thought she would in the sex chat. I feel like she could play one of these sexologists. She's just got oh, the perfect look. Get away from her, you bitch. I was just going to say that. Mm. These. I need a movie about a retreat. Like, for. I, I need the movie version of this. That's it. And Gwyneth could be in it. But this is, this is, I was casting it as I was watching last night, as you have done. I'm sitting there going, oh, God, Holly Hunter needs to be involved. I see Holly Hunter. (laughs) But I know people are always like uh, listening. I get sent a lot of messages, how did you and Scott get back together? Or I mentioned erotic fiction a while back and everyone's always wanting to know, I've really gone off sex with my partner. I want to spice things up. And I recommend that people read erotic fiction before they get into bed, which which helps because women are very kind of visual. Mm. But this show, I think... Because it's got kind of the hetero cis man going, oh, what's all this business? So your husband will feel seen, you'll feel seen when the six-year-old woman's like, oh, God, he just wants to have sex all the time and I just want to watch my shows and go to sleep. I'm exhausted. So everyone gets a bit, the lesbians are there. There isn't a a gay male couple. I did notice it because obviously that's what I was waiting for. I think there is in the credits. So they really promised something and did not deliver. But, you know, scope for season two. Yeah, I think that's what was missing. But then I went to the stereotypical Gay men are usually pretty good at the sex. <laughs> <laughs> There's a common understanding. <laughs> I just like, but yeah, I do. I do recommend it. I actually do. I think it will help your sex life. Scott refused to watch it with me, but I just regaled him. Well, with it doesn't all. that say it all? <laughs> <laughs> I literally we lay in bed after I watched it. I, I didn't stop talking. I pretty much did what I just did for you guys then in bed with him. Like I re I reenacted everything. We didn't do anything. <laughs> I just reenacted the energy orgasm, which was fascinating to me. <laughs> I hope you said to him, Scott. As far as I'm concerned, Gwyneth Paltrow is at the foot of our bed, acting interested and a little bit coy, but supportive. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's exactly what the role is. She is in this. But my favourite couple is the German woman and the... Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, God. He's, yeah. What's her name? F- 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 oh, oh, come on, come on, Em. I, I would have written it somewhere. I didn't. Felice, Fel- Felicitas and Rama. Mm. And and Gwyneth's relationship coach takes them on personally and she says to Felicitas, a German woman, you have a look on your face like you hate him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> And he says to, she says to Rama, you are the king. You need to start acting like the king. And you need to stop treating him like a naughty boy. And the two of them are just like, and I'm obsessed with that couple because you can see their issues straight away. Like, and, and Felicitas, the German woman, is being very stereotypically German. She's being very clinical about it. She's critiquing him trying to be sexy. She's like, no, why did you say that? Why did you do that? And then the relationship coach is like, stop being his mother. Yeah, she has a very specific look on her face when it's like, uh, I don't know. Because I feel like he's in this like, of course, of course, but that's not for you to... to I know. But, but what, what I'm saying is you don't have to say that. Your body says that. Okay. Right? You, you don't exactly have a poker face. <laughs> I was just there going, oh, my God, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. All right, I'm going to have to go and just have a brief shower, um, not because I'm turned on, but because I'm very sweaty. Um, <laughs> from retelling the energy orgasm. But I did, did just want to say again, it's great that this is out there. In There's so much shame around sex, especially for women. There's just shame around it. So I feel like this is a good step forward to destigmatizing that. We're going to come back. I'm going to talk ICAC, which is not sexy in any way. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> All of that to Daryl Maguire. <laughs> M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay. Now, Michael Lucas, obviously the ICAC hearings are currently taking place and for those of you who aren't aware, the Independent Commission Against Corruption is investigating former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian over whether she breached public trust when she awarded grants to two organisations in Wagga Wagga which could potentially have been a conflict of interest because at the time she was in a secret relationship with Wagga Wagga's local MP, Daryl Maguire. <laughs> Beautifully summarised. Well, and you know, today, as well, today in terms of when this podcast comes out, the, yeah. this is the grand finale, the season finale of Gladys's ICAC thing because she's got two whole days on the stand. Yeah. It's almost Thursday cruel that we're recording before we get to see it. Like it's... It's like she knew. She's like, well, I'm not letting them cover this on insulation. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Thursday, please. Got to observe the insulation cutoff. It's like so, when politicians release bad news on a Friday afternoon. It's called taking yep. out the trash. That's what it's like. <laughs> she wants to avoid Al. <laughs> Fiercely critical eyes. Our in-depth analysis. I mean, fair enough. She's facing ICAC, but between this panel, this is the one you want to worry about. <laughs> So what's happened so far, all I've noticed, all, all this, and, and by the way, we're not talking about small grants. I'm a particularly obsessed with the $5.5 million that went to the Australian Clay Target Association. <laughs> For me, that's where my focus is. I thought <laughs> you, to be fair, you can support a very niche hobby. Maybe not that one. <laughs> <laughs> but if there was some sort of other weird hobby, yeah. That it was if it was some sort of like pottery painting, or whatever, then I could see you being in it. If it somehow, if if it was oh, any yeah. kind of activity that involved craft glue of any description, you would have been like, write the check. Oh, totally. Like as soon as I heard the word clay, I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I heard target. I was like, oh, nah, well, no, yeah. throw the book at him. Who gives it? <laughs> Get rid of that. What happened? So who has? 
who has faced, like, we're leading up to Gladys. Who have we seen and what's been, you've been across this, I have not, I've been watching Goop. What's been going on? Who's well, spoken? Well, basically, I mean, the two big hitters that have been so far testifying have been former Premier Mike Baird, who was the Premier mm. when she was the Treasurer, mm. and then also um, uh, John Barilano. Hang on. Bar- Barilano. Barilano. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and what really surprised me about it, maybe it's not a surprise, is I thought they'd sort of hedge their bets and sort of say, um, look, possibly she should have declared that's not for me to say. Um, there didn't look to be anything wrong with the grants as I saw them or whatever. But they both just sort of flat out uh, came right out the gate saying this was a clear conflict of interest and I was staggered that she didn't say anything and, and like, you know, kind of threw under the bus. I mean, it was... It, there was nothing ambiguous about their take on it. They were completely dumping it on her and saying it was inappropriate and she did the wrong thing. And I don't know why. I just sort of thought there would be more... I thought they'd be more politically vague in their answers. I just didn't think that they'd be nailed down so much. But they... but the, the, Well, they, no one had to nail them down. They just flat out came out and said it. So it's going to be really interesting to see... Oh, and there was one really fascinating thing, Barilaro. Yeah, his characterization of Daryl Maguire. Oh, that's the thing. I feel like, in a way, this was his kind of tip of the hat to Gladys because mm. the way he spoke about Daryl was almost like when I heard it, I was like, oh, okay, so what happened? What we think happened really did happen. He he fucking wore her down. Mm, totally. You can even hear it in the phone conversations that we've heard so far, the exhaustion in her voice and the call, all right, all right. What yeah. did he say exactly, Barilaro, about Daryl? It's a pain in the arse um, and uh, some of it really didn't um, let go. It was a dog of the bone. Yeah, a bit of the pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. He, and, when it came to his approach of, like, you know, chasing after funding. <laughs> oh, my God. And he just never stopped. That's at it, right. At it, at it. So imagine, so he wants money for the clay people. Yeah. And Gladys is exhausted from her 12-hour day and trying to keep the relationship secret and just they're just laying in bed at night. Come yeah. On, come on, Glad. Come on, Glad. Come on, Glad. Come on, Glad. Do it. He was do a it, very strong it. local member and someone that really didn't let go, like a dog with a bone. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I was reading a little bit this morning and from what I gathered from Mike Baird and John Barillaro, the former Deputy Premier, is that they were just like, if she had just told us, we would have just excused her from it and we would not be here. That totally. was the vibe I got. They were yeah. all like, we, they were genuinely dumbfounded by the relationship. They don't understand it would have, she could have just recused herself from the discussions and this would just be not even a blip. But that's what, to me, seemed to be pissing them both off the most. Do you know the other weird thing about it is, is it ever a defence? Like, what if it was a purely sexual, transactional, lights-off relationship? Like, what if she was just kind of like, we met late at night, we never had dinner together, we never went out, we came, there was service that happened, <laughs> it was a very low-light environment, could have been anyone, and he Could left. have been energy so orgasms, Michael. She they may have never touched. <laughs> He may have just been grounding her and then just just waving his arms over her each night. She may not have even taken her power suit off. I don't want to impugn anything, but I'm just going to say I don't think that he has watched Sex, Love and Goop and I don't think that he is delivering anyone. <laughs> Energy orgasms? No, I, I, I don't know. Orgasms full I don't stop? Know. I don't know. I don't want to throw a man under a bus when he's already facing a lot of, but no, I think maybe See, he See, I go the opposite way out. 
if that if that relationship lasted five years and he is who we think he is, he must have a magic dick. Magic dick, Daryl. <laughs> this is the kind of political commentary you're not going to get anywhere else. No way. But but she can't say any of that stuff because now she's been on the front page of the Daily Telegraph saying I wanted to marry him. So I, I, I wonder whether oh. she's regretting that now because because if if there was any kind of step back to going look you know there was a physical thing that happened on and off for a few times but it was very devoid of any kind of emotional attachment. I mean she's lost the ability to say that now. Well, look, that's not a path we want to take, Michael. But she's also lost the ability to say that because John Barillaro also said that Gladys asked for updates quite a bit mm, on those specific careers, which was odd. Yeah. He said it was odd for her to even care to take specific interest mm. in her secret boyfriend's electorate's community grants. So <laughs> Maybe she was just really into clay. <laughs> target shooting? Target shooting. <laughs> oh, if Gladys never hears that word ever again. It's just I don't see how she keeps saying, I'll be exonerated, history will prove me right, it will all be okay, unless she has got some kind of magic. What is she holding on to? Because it's pretty damning. It's pretty damning when you read through everything. All jokes aside, oh, what she's is, allegedly it done, it's I mean, pretty damning. It is damning. It is damning. It is always still in that weird place that at the end of the day it wasn't something to benefit herself. And so, mm-hmm. and so which makes it kind of all the more tragic in a way. Oh, You're no. really going to go down for the most, like, obscure, like, misuse of funds. To, yeah. <laughs> and, it was, and it was to actually help your absolute dickhead boyfriend. Who you shouldn't who's, have been together. Who's been done for monetizing being an MP. Oh. Like he he has quite frankly found a way to do that. And you're punching below your weight, <coughs> Gladys. You really, really were. <laughs> a whole Glad. nation can tell you that now. So there's all of that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it feels pretty cut and dry. You can't see how what defense she could have that would possibly counter everything that's been presented so far. Unless she just unless she just goes the flat out constant denial. But even that, they've got the emails and they've got Mm. the testimony of people saying she was checking up on it and it was a personal interest. I guess the best that she can do is say it really wasn't, I really didn't pay any attention to it. But she can't, she can't. I think she's, I don't know. I don't know what she can do. So we've got a foreshadow because we don't know how much preparation is going into the presentation of Gladys Berejiklian tomorrow. Like, what is she wearing? I think think the moment she resigned, it's pretty much been dedicated to workshopping. (laughs) Has there been a team? Is there a mood board? Is there a whiteboard at least? Like what are we wanting to impart on a a visual scale? You know, like, oh, God, if it were me, I don't know. I would want to, I don't know that I'd want a structured, severe business suit. No, no, no. You need to present, I I, I hate to say this, but I think, it, it, oh, it's hard. You've got to walk the line because you need to seem vulnerable in one sense, yeah. but on the other hand... Professional. Professional. Yeah. So you've got to sort what of like... What says vulnerable and professional? I mean, I mean, a V-neck, nothing... You definitely want a V-neck because you're showing your vulnerable jugular. At any time a wolf could swipe at your throat, you know? Mm. Like you're showing this part. You don't want anything that's high-necked because that suggests I have something to hide. Yeah. So I want to see a V-neck... I want mm-hmm. to see a V-neck. I also want to see no shoulder pads. I don't want to see a shoulder pad. Nary a shoulder pad should cross my eyeball. Shoulder the bigger pad, the shoulder, shoulder pad, pad, the better the, the better the look. If you can mm-hmm. get the biggest shoulder pad. I had shoulder pads on everything small. My small dog walks around with shoulder pads. I think everyone should wear shoulder pads. I have pads them in my pajamas, t-shirts, <laughs> everything. Shoulder pads. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking cashmere. Okay. I'm thinking a, a, a like a, a cashmere soft jacket situation. Soft, a structured. But not tailored. Do you have a duvet or a beautiful cashmere blanket? Um, sleeping bag. With with a blouse, a blouse mm. with no buttons, just a, a bit of a bit. No cleavage, mind no, you. No. Just <laughs> neck exposed. Brooch, That's what I want. Brooch of any description. <sighs> Look, a brooch would almost be going too far. Okay. A brooch would almost be like Rebecca Gibney on Celebrity MasterChef trying to convince everyone she's a bumbling mother. It's just because <laughs> she's not. She's one of the most brilliant women I think I've ever interviewed and come across and I was confused as to why they were portraying her on that show as like a confused mother because she's not. But I just feel like a brooch, a bridge too far. I mean, I love a brooch. Obviously, I'm a big fan of a brooch. But I just think a brooch is a bit like, oh, it's a bit, a bit camp, a bit fun. Bit, bit sure. undermining of the of the situation. Mm. A thin crucifix. Oh. I want a th- I want a crucifix around the neck. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I want some kind of yeah here. Yeah. Look, right. God will I'm judge happy. me. As we've, I was we've, only God will judge me. Um, as I've spoken before, I feel like I could provide a service for crisis dressing. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a service you live every day. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, and like, I don't, I, we are making light of this situation because that's what we do. We deep dive nuanced on ridiculous situations. And this is just like, no one died. She misappropriated funds. It, I don't want anyone feeling, oh, this is, it's not, it's not, no one died. <laughs> so don't come at me for talking about what her outfit should be. It's very important. Um, but also the coaching for the demeanour as well. I think it's, you can't get too agile. I mean, it's really, it's a really different, and she walks that line well. I feel generally, that's why that moment in the press conference where she kind of lost her shit and she said, please respect this press conference, please stand back. That was so out of character because normally she's mastered and she always does a few standard things where to seem a bit relatable, she'll throw in a, oh, look, at the front of a sentence. Oh, look, you know, we always go by the science. Like, and it's always just a nice little, just disarms you a little bit. Thank you to everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. I think, as every mother knows, you only break out the yelling when you need it. Mm. And it's calculated breakout. But things, things get taken much more seriously when you speak like this, very directly, very softly. Mm. So I think Glad knows how to, 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 you know, where the voice needs to be for certain things. But I think tomorrow is going to be very measured. I, I think she'll take, I mean, I'd have to take a beta blocker before I walked out so my heart rate doesn't go up, no sweating. Um, <clears throat> I probably would have got my armpits Botox. So I'm Internal not going to lie. orgasm would have happened. <laughs> yes, I'll make sure I have several energy orgasms. Um, <laughs> I'd have either Botox under my armpits or I'd be wearing armpit pads. Because, really? Oh, yeah, well, that's no a bad look, wouldn't sweaty. it? Sweaty, sweaty, nah, yeah. Nah. And, and, and I would be sweating under those lights in that situation, anxious. I would have, oh, the sweat. So that rules out any light colours for her because I don't know that she's had Botox under her arms. I'm going to say it's, it, the, the, I've, on the basis of everyone else, they never go the most flattering lighting in that, in that scenario. Oh, no, like it's a very no. grey light that you're under. I'd probably insist on my own lighting for ICAC <laughs> inquiries. <laughs> I'd probably bring in a rig. I'd bring in Oprah's rig. The defendant has put in her own lighting team. We're going to have to do a brief recess as the defendant's lighting team rig her lighting. (laughs) Helen, we'll take a four-hour recess. Thank you. We'll be back later today. (laughs) Anyway, by the time we next speak, we'll know. Um, 
Well, we won't know the we'll know the outfit, which is the thing that we're really. We won't know the actual outcome no, of we'll the investigation. The no, I mean we'll happily make an uninformed decision and projection of what we think the outcome will be, but mm. we'll know what the outfit is, and that's really what I'm focusing on. Before you go, um, I just want to let you know that I'm seriously considering going to the Forever Twilight in Forks Festival in September next year, and I think you have to come with me. Oh my god. That the, the second, the first part of the sentence I was aware of, the second part of the sentence is deeply worrying. I love that we have been unable to leave this country for so long. So it, it does mean that the choice of where to go feels unusually potent and important and you are choosing to go to a Twilight Festival? I have to get out of here. Yeah, I could help you. I think I want to go. I think a little fire is burning in me that, as we know, won't take much to build to a raging inferno. But the idea of being in Forks, Washington with other twihards such as myself, it's the community I want to go for. It's the like-minded individuals. But can I tell you what's on? Please do. The event highlights include a festival Q&A panel with actors and VIP guests. Now, I've looked up the actors that have attended in the past and... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say... Not Robert yeah. Patterson. No, no, no. Christian Stewart has not come Can yet. Can we at least get a Taylor Lautner? No, not yet. But some of the wolf pack whose names I don't remember are there. And for you not to remember a credit, so you practically <laughs> memorised the entire credit roll. So. Um, yeah. Um, and... Um, I think some of the stunt doubles are there. <laughs> wow, it's really taking you into the creative Stephanie engine Meyer of the show. Comes. Stephanie oh, Meyer turns up. Of course she up. comes, of course she yep. comes. I am Stephanie Meyer and I wrote Twilight. Yeah, so um, you get to go to the uh, Saturday Night Gala where everyone dresses as their favourite Twilight character. Um, you go to the La Push Beach Party. La Push, baby, La Push. There is the autograph and photograph event with actors. Mm-hmm. VIP guests and a cosplayer hosted breakfast, the Cullen House tour and the Thousand Years Karaoke Party. They also recreate the famous baseball scene. The vampires like baseball. Well, it's the American pastime. And uh, there's a thunderstorm coming. It's the only time we can play. You'll see why. Which I read was a nightmare to film. Because, <laughs> you know, the Cullens can only play baseball when there's a lightning storm because they hit the ball so hard that it sounds like a lightning crack and it would therefore alert the townspeople of Forks to the fact that they are vampires. Wow. <laughs> I think that you should just go as some sort of panel member, maybe even claim yourself as a cast member, just sort of say <laughs> you're working in the cafeteria at the school in the background and you take offence if anyone says, I don't quite remember you in the movie. I just want to meet my Twy family. <laughs> I can't believe that sentence came out and it was not, I just want to say, that was not ironic. There was a little part of her soul longing that opened up on the podcast there. She genuinely really does want to meet her and she said the word Twy family. <laughs> yeah, but like there are troops of actors who walk around just like acting out scenes. Like you could be having your morning coffee and there's the Volturi. Like, ready to cut people's heads off. And then there's, like, the Cullens. I think that aspect would be good. I'm not so sure about going to the actual place because often, you know, they make it look better than it is. And even when you go, even when you do, like, the Sound of Music tour, like, Salzburg, obviously lovely, but they really made that. Like, that when they shot that place in the 60s, they made it look pretty amazing. And then you're there and you're like, oh, this is what the lake looks like. How dare you? 
Well, it's true, and I worry no, that where? the I whole worry. town of Forks has given in. In two thousand and six, when the when the books came out, mm-hmm. um, Forks were like, "Oh my god!" All these like desperate women started turning up to the town, and it was initially an annoyance. And then someone in the town went, "Oh fuck it!" And all bets were off. Yeah. They've renamed everything, and the house where the Cullens live because they don't have bedrooms, because they don't sleep, because there's amazing picture windows, and that's a real B&B. You can stay in that house. You Mm. can stay at the Cullen house, Michael. Like, you can stay in that. And they've even got all the the graduation caps, which is an inside joke because they've all graduated so many times because they're eternal. So, like, that's even there. I could have a selfie in front of the Cullen graduation cap um, wall-mounting. Like... Haven't you? Don't you? <laughs> you? I think what you need to do is not go to this festival. I think you need to write your own erotic fiction, <laughs> let it become a global phenomenon, and then start your own festival. But like, I've deeply looked into why I'm drawn to this, and it's because I've never, I don't fit in anywhere. I'm not quite a singer. I'm not quite a comedian. I'm not quite a cabaret person. But you are 100 percent a twihard. <laughs> And I think the idea of belonging to something like this. I'm just worried that you're going to get there and they won't end up being your people and then you'll just feel more alone than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling isolated and sad in Washington, wherever it is. Forks, Washington. Forks, Washington. Well, it's next September, so, like, just make sure you clear the decks and you're not filming any season well, two. Well, I, oh, I can already tell you I will be, but anyway, yep. No, no. <laughs> just tell Anatov and Sam and everyone else, too bad. <laughs> this is our pilgrimage. I'm going to call Malala on it if you're not careful, and if I call Malala oh, on it. I still haven't called Malala on it. You've oh, never called Malala. I can't believe I haven't done it. I keep forgetting that it's an option until you call it and then I forget again. Yeah. We need to explain what Malala is to everyone before you go. It's from the movie Book Smart mm-hmm. and and uh, and basically the two best friends in that um, when one of them doesn't want to do something, only very rarely can they invoke the name Malala uh, to convince them. And now I can't even remember what it is about Malala that is why. Well, no, obviously Malala is the story of the incredible the, the girl the who got shot hero. in the, the yeah, she got hero. shot in the head by the Taliban on her way to getting an education, recovered from that, moved to England with her family and has been a tireless campaigner for the rights of of women, of Muslim women, and she's incredible. She's won a Nobel Peace Prize, she's written books, and for them, the two girls in Booksmart, Malala is the ultimate hero, mm-hmm. um, and she is, but if one of them says it, the other has to do whatever the other one wants. So if I invoke Malala on the Twilight Forks Festival, sorry, Newsreader Season 2. <laughs> it always goes bad for me. You invoked Malala once when you declared you were having an Emrazihano Christmas party for your company. And I, weirdly, you were, like, totally up for cocktails. And then what happened? And I was so tired. Yeah. And then what happened was I started getting into it and then mysteriously you just vanished. Chella came yeah. and picked you up and I was out to, like, 3 a.m. Like, yeah, with, with, with the rest of Jack my crew. and Joel. Yeah. And I had to work the next day and it was one of those sort of hangovers that four days later I was still feeling yeah. not quite right. Anyway. Well, this Saturday I'm taking you out for your birthday adventure. We're going to have a four-day hangover, I'm predicting. <laughs> All right, God, we've covered some ground. My God. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much. I know I did a lot of talking and there wasn't a lot of Michael. Next week we'll do Michael heavy topics. Um, <laughs> it's my fault. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, pals, that's it. That's all we have time for. I will be going to Forks. I will be making that pilgrimage. You know that's going to happen once I get a bee in my bonnet. 
things tend to happen. I just want to remind you that tickets for my live shows happening in May, finally, I do believe they're going to go ahead, uh, are on sale. We've managed to sort out everyone's tickets, who wants to keep theirs, who didn't want to, and now everything's kind of been allocated and the seats that are available now are on sale. If you go to mrussiano.com, I'd love to see you there. I'm playing Adelaide, Brisbane and Sydney with the possibility of a couple Melbourne shows. I don't know yet. See how I'm feeling. But um, my band and I have been wanting to put these shows on for you for so long and my confidence has really been knocked, I have to say. But I think everything's good. We're going ahead. Uh, Safe for you to purchase a ticket. And remember, if something should happen, you get your money back. I would never get your money. But I would really love for you guys to sell these shows out as soon as possible. It's just something that I don't have to worry about. There's not many tickets left either, uh, but if you'd like to come and see me do my thing, do my stand-up, sing my songs, mrussiano.com, or you can go to frontiertouring.com forward slash mrussiano. While I'm whoring things, the Emsolation merch is still available. You can also go to mrussiano.com to get that. Just go to my website, have a look around, do some purchasing. Um, that's it. Follow us on all the things, Instagram, at Installation Podcast, and especially make sure you're following us on Spotify. That's how we go up the charts. It's how many downloads and how many people are following us. Click that follow button you have it. Just make sure you're going to your app now. When you're finishing off, just click the little button. That's all I have for you. Thank you for being here again. And um, I want to remind you I'm taking Michael on an adventure this Saturday, so look forward to hearing us recount that next Thursday. Until then, my darling Emsolators, have a good week. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow. With assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M's dad. Vincy. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Emsolation.